I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Season two. Ooh, dos bebe. <laughs> and- Completely planned break. <laughs> Yeah, that's this is what we've envisioned the whole time. Yeah, we we meant to take weeks, month off, um, <laughs> and you know, just kind of, kind of start new things. And uh, y- what else do people do in their time off that we can think of? Grow quickly? as humans, really. That yeah, we yeah. did that. We did a lot of that. Yes, yes, we have. <laughs> we we needed time to renovate the studio. We did. Yeah, we yeah. have a totally flipped studio. Yeah. That, I mean, that really only involved me lifting up the desk and putting it from one side of the room to the other. But still, needed time to adjust mentally, emotionally. I think it looks good in here. Me too. We're the only people that ever knew. Right. <laughs> as always, we come to you from Okinsis. I guess I shouldn't say as always. No. Well, well as always, we welcome you from Okinsis. Mm-hmm. We are welcoming from there. Uh, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsitsina Nations, the Iyahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. You can find out what native lands you are on by looking at native-land.ca. The sources for the show today, at least mine, are robetrotting.com, rainbowhouse.be, addictedartgallery.medium.com, calgarytower.com, and art-facts.com. Whoa. Uh, mine are atlasobscure.com, getaway.ca.za. We've also got inari.jp, and we've got you girl's favorite, a Google review. Oh, love it. <laughs> So thank you, thank you, thank you for, um, I-, I would say letting us have this break, but we really didn't clear it with any of you. No. So for uh, for my friends who messaged me and said, uh, hi, where are my episodes? Yeah. Uh, and for everyone who is listening to this episode, uh, thank you for coming with us on this monthish break that we have had. Mm-hmm. Was it a whole month? Uh, it was over a month. Our last one was 420. Our monthish break. <laughs> Thank you uh, for not harassing us too hard yes. on uh, on when the next episode would come out. Uh, Peter over here started a new gig. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty demanding. Uh, you started two new gigs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a, a lot change here, and just trying to figure out how to make the uh, the schedules work. So. Yeah. But we've decided we have, and now we're in season two. All while I've had like a month-long mental breakdown. So that's been <laughs> that, that's been a lovely thing to work through. Um, so yeah, we're now at the point where I'm not going to cry if uh, we add one more thing to my plate. So uh, there we are. Hey, let's add something on there then. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we're starting with um, happier ones. We, we do have a couple of not-so-happy ones planned for, I guess, later this month. Yeah. But... Um, for this one, I think it's going to be fun today. Yeah, I think when we hit our one-year anniversary mark, uh, both of us kind of realized like that history is a huge bummer. Yes, and I think that maybe uh, when we undertook uh, Winnie, we had no idea. Um, neither of us really anticipated how sad history is. Yeah. <laughs> also, how sad it is to currently live historical events yeah on a, a weekly basis life is so short and also terribly and insufferably long <laughs> as we are learning 
every single week with this podcast. So, hey, at least we're brightening your spirits. <laughs> so we've gone back to our old classic. We would like to welcome you to Landmarks, a part three. Yes. And Yay. even though this is season two, there is going to be a callback in mind to season one. And we all know what I'm discussing. Definitely that mana, mana kiss, mana, the little statue of the boy peeing. Oh, I forgot about that Manipis. one. That was good. Yeah. Manipis. No, <laughs> that's a good one. I don't think it was Manipis. That's, well, it is now. Um, <laughs> we're, we're definitely calling out the Statue of Liberty. Just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. It's getting called out, getting put on blast. Put on blast. Would you like to start today, Peter? Sure. And I'll start with the thing that's going to be putting it on blast. It's Blast that shit. It's... <laughs> uh, sorry, that got me. It is located... 191 meters above the downtown core, it's the Calgary Tower. We see it every day. Specifically, you and I see it every day. I mean, everyone does. But Ah. we have a perfect view of it from our place. And I wanted to get to know the story behind the Calgary Tower. It is really nice. It is. It's, you know, dwarfed next to a bunch of other towers. But it, you know what? Dang, nabbit. It's a nice tower. It's a nice tower. It's a nice tower. (laughs) Uh, Originally named the Husky Tower, it was constructed. I don't think it's that thick. (laughs) (laughs) We'll actually get to that in a second. Um, It was constructed as a joint venture between Marathon Realty and Husky Oil to honor Canada's centennial and to promote the downtown core as part of Calgary, part of a Calgary Urban Renewal Program. Mm. The inspiration for the tower from came from a similar tower that was completed a few years earlier, the Skylon Tower in Niagara Falls on the other side of the country. Construction began on February 19th, 1967 and was completed June 1968. Whoa. Come at a Statue of Liberty. Y'all didn't even know what the base was going to look like and we were just like, boom, <laughs> done, whole thing. $3.5 million was You want cost. a tower? God damn it, there's a tower. Yeah. It became the tallest tower of its kind in Ooh. all of North America upon completion in 1968. In San Antonio, Texas, in the United States, plans were made to announce the completion of the tallest tower in the world in 1968. The tower was called the Tower of the Americas, and it had a height of 190 meters, or 620 feet, which surpassed the announced 187 meters or 614 feet of the Husky Tower. Uh When the height of the tower in San Antonio was officially revealed, the real height of the Husky Tower was announced at 190.8 meters or 626 feet. This effectively fooled the developers in Texas into thinking they had built the tallest tower in the world. I, I love that so much. We are going to add the height of a person on top of this, mm-hmm. on top of yours, and that's going to make ours the tallest. Sending the st- entire state of Texas into a spiral of not feeling confident in oneself and feeling the need to overcompensate, leading to their dependency on guns and large trucks to this day. Um, not Do actually. Do you think that's why? Yeah, 100%. It's... it's <laughs> All of our fault. The Um, root of the issue. Of course, everyone's battling for silver now, as it ended up being passed by the CN Tower in Toronto in 1976, which is nearly three times as high at 1,800 feet. But at least we have our pettiness. Right. How amazing is... I was so happy when I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, very funny. Just, oh, 
oh yeah, we're only gonna announce that it's 187 or whatever. And oh, okay, well we got you beat. <laughs> First of all, how like stupid is that? That oh well, there is it gonna be 187. We're gonna announce ours at 190. Take that. Yeah. Oh, uh, it, it just it makes me so happy. And now I want to see where where do we rank in terms of uh, tallest towers in North America? Because again, at the time. Uh, it was the tallest in North America, mm-hmm. and now it is... Da, da, da. Well, would you like me to tell you what it has on Google reviews? Dun, 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 dun. Sure. A 4.4 4 out of 5 stars out of 4,500-ish reviews, so pretty good rating. Yeah. Uh, some of the lowest ones, though, um, would like us to know that uh, within the past four months, vaccine exemption cards were needed. Oh, People had a problem with that, hey? People had a problem with that. Um, And also, they would like us to know that um, they used to let you go to the top for free if you just took the stairs. Now you have to pay even to use the stairs, and it's just not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, not yet. It wasn't enough time? Uh, It's never going to be enough time. It didn't make... It's not in the top 120. (laughs) Uh, in North America anymore, <laughs> dwarfed by five buildings in Toronto at this point. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I mean, and, and also several in Calgary. Yeah, several in its home city of Calgary. Yeah. Now, this one, uh, I think, is a shout out to your sister, who at one point in a discussion with us talked about the length of time some construction projects take and how it would be effective if you could just have like 24 hour construction all day, every day, let's get these projects done in like two days. Yeah. 25, eight construction service. My sister's going to start it. Yeah. One unprecedented feature for its time was the continual pour of concrete, uh, using a relatively new slip forming construction technique. Pouring began May 15th, 1967 and was completed 24 days later. Whoa. The record pour in one 24 hour period was 39 feet. So they just can't stop. Won't stop. Wow. Non-stop construction pouring. This achievement was unprecedented at the time and was described as an amazing feat of technical and physical workmanship. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How good were we? Very good. Uh, The tower was designed to withstand the elements, climates, winds, shock. Although Calgary is not an earthquake zone, the structure was the first in the western provinces designed to withstand earthquakes. That, that seems like... Feels like something that uh, should have been done in Vancouver forever. I uh, mean, also, they had a pessimist on that team for sure. Right. <laughs> on a windy day, the ca- uh, tower can and will sway up to 7.5 inches and can withstand winds of up to 161 kilometers an hour, which, having lived here for 10 years, might not be enough. No, I think that we had um, 110 kilometer winds like two weeks ago. Yeah. That's pretty up there. Um, I want to know what happens at what, like, does the whole thing just fly apart at 162? Like, does that one kilometer an hour just completely demolish the entire thing? Whoa, I don't know. Uh, in other adjust- Or would a piece fly off of it? Like, would pieces fly off of the top that is not concrete? Right, that wasn't part of a 24-hour concrete pour? Who knows? On November 1st, 1971, the Husky Tower was officially renamed the Calgary Tower as a tribute to Calgary citizens, and probably as a tribute to Husky not wanting to pay for it anymore. In 1985, the tower completed a renovation of the observation areas at a cost of $2.4 million. Hmm. I loved this part. This project added a grill and a souvenir shop. I know what they mean by a grill. I like to think it's like one single solitary, like, coal grill that they have up there. It's like, yeah. 
2.4 mil, baby. All I all I pictured, like you pictured, yeah, just like a grill. Like I'm I'm assuming like Coleman camper style. Yeah. I picture just a barbecue chain to the top. <laughs> and then when they light the flame on the top and people yeah. call into the radio stations and they're like, the Calgary Tower's on fire. It's like someone just cooking something fatty. Well, they, they did actually <laughs> get to that two years later as a oh. natural gas fired cauldron is installed on top of the Calgary Tower by Western Canadian Natural Gas mm. to serve as an official Olympic flame during the upcoming Winter Games. Whoa. During the 88 games, a hand replica of the Calgary Tower with an Olympic flame crosses Canada during the torch relay. Tens of thousands of international guests and athletes visit the tower during the Calgary Olympics. The next year, fresh off of its Olympic exposure, the Calgary Tower initiates and is a founding member of the wildly popular World Federation of Great Towers, or WUFGT. In 2005, a glass floor spanning... Okay, hold on, wait. Okay. The World Federation of Great Towers? Yeah. Where do you think they all meet? <laughs> High in the sky. <laughs> Pretty presumptuous. Like, do you think the ones that just make the cup are part, are, d- just don't make the cut are part of the World Federation of above average to average towers? <laughs> of mediocre towers? Yeah. Yes. Of towers that are drawing really hard. Several of the sand castles I have built in my lifetime go to that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Calgary Tower in 2005 had a glass floor spanning 36 inches wide by 4.5 inches, and it was installed in the observation deck as a gift to Alberta on its centennial. That wasn't always there? Uh, no, apparently not. Oh. That'd be terrifying as all hell to build. I thought it um, was. Well, I mean, someone had to build it at some point. Yeah, that's fair, but. I thought that was always there. Nope. Why would you have gone up to a tower without a glass floor? Well, to look out the glass walls. I guess. See the panoramic views of the city. I guess, yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Nine years later, LED lights are added to the exterior of the Calgary Tower, complementing the downtown skyline nightly with spectacular light displays. It features an LED light show each morning before sunrise and nightly from dusk to midnight. The LED light shows are created to celebrate national holidays, cheer on local and national sports teams, support local festivals, and raise awareness for important causes. There are 132 lights in total capable of producing more than 16.5 million colors and effects. Part of the lighting schedule... As we are recording this today, it is uh, for Spinal CSF Leak Awareness Week. Oh. On Wednesday, it is World Brain Tumor Awareness Day. Whoa. On Thursday the 9th, it is Action Anxiety Day. On that day, it's just going to pulse very quickly for eight hours. It's going to have a couple lights light up, and then they're going to go away because they weren't sure if that was the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, June 10th is Farmer's Day. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, the 11th is Hydrodenitis Superativia Awareness Week. Uh, from the sounds of it, they need some awareness. Yes, they do. Uh, on the 12th, it is Betty's Run for ALS. The 14th is World oh, Blood Betty's. Donor Day. Uh, the 21st is Migraine Solidarity Day, which I will say, lighting up a bunch of lights seems a little insensitive. <laughs> uh, Global HHT. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not even going to try that one. Um, and then <laughs> June 30th is the Calgary Towers birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And that is the Calgary Tower. Is the Calgary Tower. Well, that's oh, great. Calgary Tower. 
I didn't know uh, that any of that was added. I just I kind didn't of assumed know that it was... we got into a giant pissing contest <laughs> with San Antonio, and also oh, that we won as a ruse. As a ruse. <laughs> oh, that Suck it, so San Antonio. Happy. Yeah. Take, take your stars and hit the road. Take that third or fourth most famous city in Texas. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Roasted. Take that, the Red Deer of Texas. <laughs> Good one. Thanks. Um, all right. Well, thanks. Thanks uh-huh. for telling me about the tower now that you we know. look at all the time. Yeah. Even when you just said that there's light shows before dawn, I was like, oh, have we ever seen one? I mean, they run all night, so yeah. we see them. Where? Okay, uh, my first landmark here is uh, called Garaja Ayam. It's in Magalang, Indonesia. Okay. In the thick forest of Magalang, Indonesia is a titanic shape. Well, it's a titanically large building shaped like a chicken. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> It is known as the Chicken Church, and this massive building is uh, quite the sight to see. I highly recommend just giving her a Google real quick. Uh, G-E-R-E-J-A space A-Y-A-M. Okay. I'm talking to you too, Peter. Oh, go like Google right this. now. Yeah, right now. Uh, while Can basically, you spell it again for me? Sorry. <laughs> G-E-R-E-J-A space A-Y-A-M. Okay, yeah, we got it here. While basically anyone who has seen it can agree, uh, it's been dubbed the Chicken Church. The name is a bit of a misnomer since the visionary behind this chapel meant uh, to have it look like a dove. The man behind. Swinging a miss on that. (laughs) It literally looks like uh, it should be on the cover of Chicken Run. The man behind the weird structure was Daniel Alamsha, who received a holy vision that inspired him to create the Dove Church. He picked a forested hill near Megalang, which I'm also sorry, I'm probably butchering that name, to build his uh, tribute and created possibly the most bird-like building in the world, complete with a giant squawking head and a decorative uh, and decorative tail feathers. The prayer house opened its doors in the 1990s, and one of the most interesting things about it is that it welcomed any religions that wanted to make the trek, so you could have at any point uh, Buddhists, Muslims, Christians praying in this chicken church. Uh, they I'll help open the coop. Open the coop. Uh, roll up in the coop. Pop them the deuce. <laughs> holding services in the upper floors while the lower floors provided rehab and juvenile outreach, kind of like all churches do, among other charitable services. Unfortunately, this project was halted in 2000 when further construction costs became too high. The poor chicken dove church was vacated and left to the forest. It has continued to rot and be reclaimed by the forest over the following years. Currently, it has been cleaned up a bit and turned into a tourist attraction. Local artists have covered the inner walls with vibrant murals showing local mythology and history. And there's a small cafe inside of the bird. You can even climb to the top of the bird's head for amazing 360 degree views. The chicken church has gained some media attention in 2016. The documentary film into the inferno has a section devoted to the temple, highlighting the connection to a nearby volcano. I... So they just built a giant chicken in the forest and left it there to get totaled by a volcano? Yes. That's amazing. That's why it's squawking. It's screaming. It's like, help me. Help. Help. A volcano. 
This thing looks like at any moment it could rise up from the ground as our robot or overlords take us and just yeah. start like crapping out a bunch of eggs that are actually bombs and blowing up cities in Indonesia. Totally. There's if you look up pictures of the inside of it, it looks like a hangar, like a Oh yeah. Like an airplane hangar. And then there's just a big staircase that goes up to the chicken head. And I will say on Google reviews, it has a 4.7 out of 5 after just over 12,000 reviews. So it is well reviewed. Mhm. Um unless well, How are you going to give a bad review to a chicken? Uh, I'll tell you. Melinda Ang would like us to know that she paid the tourist entry of 30,000 per person. Jeez. I mean that's in American dollars, money. I know. <laughs> it was the down payment on a house to climb this chicken. Uh, and after climbing this butt-strengthening and tightening slope, we were greeted by a dilapidated building with the head of a chicken in half-squawk, body of a fat, legless caterpillar, and almost pretty tail. Although staff tried to convince us it was a glorious dove, we were not impressed. This creation, including many carpeted cells for worship, was made possible by some religious fanatic who received the inspiration through God. The main belly was under some renovation at the time of visit, so one could only head three flights of stairs past rooms filled with pictures straight up the bum to claim your free bag of cassava chips or badge with picture of the glorious dove head our proceeds start or we started up the neck to the crown of the head and be careful not to bump your head at the top of the narrow opening nice view of the surroundings uh with a city in the far 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 distance we were simply disappointed that not a chicken was in sight (laughs) so melinda had some harsh words yeah for the, she the think chicken it was like dove? A, a chicken like ode like a, maybe a, God, i'm blanking on a bunch of words tonight but like a, a shrine to chickens a like shrine a, to chicken yeah you go in there and you like Bah-ah! yeah um also like I, souvenirs at the end you have to hand out like deviled eggs or something right oh my god the, there's a the cafe that's in it like you have to serve only egg food yeah like you can get omelets you can get scrambles you can get quiche that's and, it Instead of just calling them chicken strips, you just call them strips. <laughs> uh, church strips. <laughs> uh, to make up for Melissa, okay. Rivado Shido gave it five stars. The most inspiring object of architecture I've ever met. Beautiful oh, value and ideology that form this chicken, which they say is actually a pigeon. I'm going to stick with the dove story. Uh, shaped that I thought was... Uh, a silly looking building almost never you would ever meet a church or temple with masala christian chapel and other religious prayer sections in it i love this so much it's cute right i am so happy that you brought this to my i really like it yeah i'm not kidding when i say well we'll probably have a a picture of it as a thumbnail for this episode yeah it'll be the chicken looking one yeah um it's fantastic I feel really bad for the guy who wanted it to be a dove and everyone calls it the chicken thing. <laughs> like that, like that, that actually makes me feel a bit of sadness for this guy who's like in, divinely inspired yeah. to make a dove. It's everyone's... like a dove of peace and they're like, you mean that piece of shit chicken? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, and it's one of those things where it's like, if somebody had never said chicken, you'd be like, oh yeah, I think that's a dove. But it just took one person to be like, that's chicken. Isn't it a chicken though? And then everyone was like, oh, totally. Yeah. That's where I recognize it from. It's a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. 
So, uh, so that was uh, the garage. Uh, wait, garage. I am uh, in Indonesia. The Chicken Church. I love that so much. Yeah. Uh, well, mine is my last one here. Has nothing to do with chickens. Um, it is the in honor of Pride Month. It is the LGBT street art in Brussels. Oh, okay. Belgium was the second country after the Netherlands to legalize same-sex marriage in 2003. Belgium legalized LGBT adoption in 2006 and is one of the most LGBT-friendly countries in the world. Brussels is, of course, known for its rich comic culture. It said that in the thing. <laughs> what? I didn't, I didn't know that until that exact moment, but I felt like I needed to leave it in. So naturally, there are rich murals and comics to visit. One of the major areas for LGBT street art is Brussels. Uh, in Brussels is in Kolenmarkt. This area is also one of the, uh, again, I'm quoting this one here. This area is also one of the super happening spots in Brussels with many <laughs> bars and cafes. One street, Rue de la Chafferette, artist Fon, uh, Fatini Tiku has painted 11 murals depicting the harsh daily realities faced by LGBT people. As a finishing touch at the end of the street um, is another mural by artist Ralph Koenig, which depicts a very cheerful scene. With humor and ridicule, this project showcases the uncomplicated difficulties of the LGBTQI community is facing, the visibility of lesbian women, the non-recognition of the rights of the LGBTQI in Belgium, but also how it educates the insults, the violence, and the many stereotypes about this diverse community. There is also a monument in front of... This is actually what it's called. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. But in front of Picard-Megafun, it is <laughs> it's an art installation called My Mythology Gay, designed by Jean-Francois Octave in 2007. The design is a collection of the names of LGBT people, both celebrities as well as general public. In a powerful statement, some names have been blacked out deliberately to depict people who are still in the closet. Also, in the streets of Brussels, there is a street art mural showing the proud and serene portrait of Isain next to Rich's Claire's Theatre. The serene and proud face of Isain Jarfi is painted in a graphic and almost psychedelic style in fresh and spring nuances. You can tell I wrote all of this. On a pink bra uh, background, which recalls the warmth of the colorful streets of Marrakech. Love Remembers is a permanent art project commissioned by the Rainbow House, created by artist Anthe Anthea Missy and supported by the city of Brussels. The inauguration of the fresco took place on May 17th, 2018, in the presence of family and a hundred people. Isain, a young man of 30 of Moroccan origin, was assassinated in Liege in 2012. Following this homophobic murder, his father, Hassan Jarfi, created a foundation aimed at combating discrimination that leads to hatred and violence. Hassan also wrote a book, La Couleur de Duel. Duel? Uh, a book that tells the story of a father torn between his Muslim faith and the love for his son. Um, the Some of the murals, I recommend Googling them. Or, I mean, if you're in the neighborhood, just go. Um, <laughs> just some of them are stunning. Um, really, yeah, really cool Yeah, these are stuff. really gorgeous. Yeah. 
So I recommend checking them out. And yeah, I want it because um, as far as I know, we don't have anything directly tied to uh, Pride Month for the podcast. So wanted to just kind of shoehorn it in here. I, I think that that's fine. Yeah. Cool. Um, this love remembers the fresco. Mm-hmm. Um, very gorgeous. I thought that it was um supposed to be trans, right? Because it it has it's the, the pink, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. But very, very pretty. What a nice story. Yeah. Um, these are all really fun. Like uh, obviously that one's not fun, like the story, but like right. the just that they're up in these photos, like they're very well done and very different art styles, like. Yeah, very cool. What I like is that it's not like, I mean, some of them are, but it's not overly subtle. Like, it's not like a, oh, this is a really nice portrait. And also, it's about the gays. Yeah, this is a super nice portrait. That's gay. Yeah. Like, hey, here are two dudes kissing on the side of a building in Brussels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, At the bottom of this website for Rainbow House. Yeah. There is associations that have contributed to the paintings, it looks like. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to uh, shout out the Belgium Bears. Okay. <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> uh, you can go to their website. The Belgian uh, Belgium Bears is a social group for hairy, gay, bi, and transsexual men and their fans of all ages, sizes, and races who identify with the bear community. I thought that this was going to be a funny play on the uh, that term. Nope. And it ju- you just went straight in with like, no, this is exactly what it means. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, also like to shout out Brussels gay sports. Okay. Hell yeah. How you doing? How you doing? BGS. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love the little footnotes at the bottom of websites. It's, it's, uh, one of my favorite places to go. Uh, also would like to, I'm just going to go ahead and click on les bitches. <laughs> It's just so fun. Yeah. It's a Les Biches is an organization that through organizing festive events and handicraft and artistic projects want to integrate LGBTQI minorities within the dominant culture. How fun. Yeah. This is great. So there. Bet you didn't think you learn about the Belgium Gay Society today. You know what? When I woke up, I did not. Nope. I did not think that I was going to do that. Huh. Well, very cool. The thing I like about like street art and murals too is that they are forever changing. Like we have the Bump Festival in Calgary mm-hmm. and, you know, there are some from, I think it started four years ago, maybe five years ago officially. Um, but there are some that, you know, have stood the test of time. There's one that uh, I think it was this past like summer last year. It was this gorgeous mural, but then the parking lot that was beside the building that it was painted on um, is not a parking lot anymore, and it's a building. And so the mural didn't get taken down, but a building got built right next to it, so you, like, can't see it anymore. Oh. So it's just this forever-changing landscape, and, and, you know, like, the, the paintings aren't the same from year to year because time ages them. Maybe they get graffitied. Yeah. Um, and then once they're graffitied, the artist will go back in and, like, touch them up, but it's never quite the same, you know? Like, it's, it's a new piece of artwork every single time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you have paintings that even complement each other but are years apart like there's some on 17th ave that you're like oh that's so gorgeous and then you turn around and there's another mural that is also gorgeous but they were painted three years apart right and it's like how do they complement each other so well in this time but they weren't from the same time yeah so yeah very cool i love art subjective art cool uh well cool thanks babe Mm -hmm. uh i would like to do my last one 
Okay. And it's a place we've been. <gasps> I know, and it's not the Calgary Tower. Oh. <laughs> I want to tell you about Fushimi Inari Taisha, a shrine in Kyoto, Japan. With the Tory Gates. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were like being like, what? No, I was honestly, I was think trying to quickly think of a place that would be identifiable, but also hilarious to do as a landmark that we had been in Calgary. And the only place I could think of was Shoppers in Mission, um, <laughs> which has no discernible features whatsoever. So. I want to tell you about Ranchman's. <laughs> yeah. This old local dive spot that yeah. nobody knows about unless you're from Calgary. <laughs> Uh, so Fushimi Inari is well known for its vivid red Tori gates. The Fushimi Inari Taisha is a unmissable Kyoto attraction, and I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Dedicated to the god of rice, this Shinto shrine has a strong fox motif, as foxes are the messengers of the god of grain foods. I thought that said grain goods. Oh, that's why I said that so weird. <laughs> grain goods. Inari is short for Inanari or Ina ni naru, which is the reaping of rice. It is a word from ancient Japanese in which rice, the main food sustaining Japanese people's lives, symbolizes the miracles of heaven and earth. Uh, when we went to the shrine, we had no idea how big it was. There is kind of like they're one way Tori gates. So like it's a pathway that just kind of forces you to go a certain direction. Yeah. And after about 500 meters of walking, you can you can like turn around and head back and you're done. Uh, and you just go back to the main shrine. And honestly, a lot of people did that. Like, they just kind of were like, let's take a picture with the gates and then let's get out of here. Or you can accidentally hike up the two and a half to three kilometer mountain <laughs> like we did, uh, which was so it was so much fun. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Um, So it's like it's all stairs and there's just Tory gates. Like if there wasn't a million Tory gates on this mountain, I would be shocked. Uh, also, they do hikes right. Because as you're going up, there are tourist shops, <laughs> gift shops, vending machines, uh, stray cats, the, but like just a whole lot of stuff to help kind of pass the time. And if you need a break, you, know, you, you, you can go have a break. You can go have some tea. Yeah. Uh, it was like we were there right before COVID hit. Um, so there is a lot of places. There's lots of hand washing stations before you get into a shrine. And all of them were closed, mm. unfortunately for us. But... Yeah. It's just part of it. Um, so along the way, as Peter said, there was uh, various places to take breaks, to get snacks, to pet cats. Um, and also there was just like various ages of additional shrines. So there was some that looked new, uh, some that were just covered in moss. Some had money sitting on them, like yen that was sitting on them. Um, and then some had yen that was just like also covered in moss and like had been there for a long time. Um, I of course found the one that had a cat on it and I prayed at it and then I left some yen and we went on our way, which was so nice. Um, the shrine texts describe Fushimi Inari Taisha's deity as a deity who feeds, clothes, and houses us and protects us so that all of us may live with abundance and pleasure. And a deity who protects all people from the emperor to the common people so that we may live happily and with abundance. So Fushimi Inari Taisha is legit. Yeah. Uh, so today, Inari is known as the deity of business prosperity, prosperity of industries, safety of households, safety in traffic, and improvement in the performing arts, which is a weird one to put on the end. Yeah. very. It's weird to get all, <laughs> weird to get all of that out of rice. Totally. 
Uh, people throughout Japan, uh, throughout Japan, pray to Inari for these things, and Inari's reach has now spread beyond the shores of Japan to distant lands. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was such a fun one to visit. Yeah. And just so cool, and and yeah, like I said, like there's an unimaginable amount of these amount of these Tory gates. Like you're not just walking through, like you know, you walk through, um, uh, like a, the door to a fence or something, like to get into a backyard. But it's like, it's like gate, 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 gate. Like yeah, they just don't stop, and yeah. they're they're not very far apart. Like their bases are basically touching each other. The the thing that got me as we we're going up is like these didn't just grow here. Like someone had to build all I mean, probably a few people, but some yeah. people had to like lug that stuff up there to build all of those things. Like, yeah. But no, and it was it was crazy. It was it was really, really cool. Even the upkeep on something like that, like with public art and even with the murals that you were just talking about, like I said, like you have to go in and touch those up or you have to go in and just maintain them. Who is maintaining? The millions, I assume, of Tory gates. Yeah. And making sure that they're all bright orange. Yeah. Like, there wasn't, like, there might be a few scuffs here and there, but, like, they were pristine. Yeah. So, yeah. That was a very cool one to visit. It was, yeah. And, like, uh, as always, the stuff around it was really cool, too. Like, there's a street market leading up to it. Mm -hmm. We saw a monk, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So yeah, the whole the whole surrounding, I I would uh, with you 100% would recommend it. Yeah. It's so funny, like a lot of stuff there. It, you take like this very I guess like urbanized thing, like you take a modern, giant, yeah. You take a bus or a, a train, I guess. Yeah. Right up to it, and then you take a step out and oh yeah, we're on this like super peaceful shrine, and then this bus away, and it's just like super peaceful and awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you like walk up to the shrine, and you're like, wow, like this stuff is so ancient and old and just drenched in culture and history. Yeah. And then you walk away and it's like, get three bow for like a hundred yeah. yen. <laughs> and we like walk away and I'm like, you want to pop into Sev for like a steamed pork bun or what? Yeah. Yeah. You, you come out of this historic shrine that's been there for 300 years and you get on a train that's um advertising the japanese soccer league on DAZN coming up this fall (laughs) yeah it was oh so good yeah very good well thank you yeah uh so much for telling me about uh a few things i didn't know and thank you for informing me that there's a giant robot (laughs) chicken in the jungles of indonesia somewhere yeah no problem uh, thank you also to you wonderful listeners. We did really appreciate our break and we really hope that you like season two. Season two. Of Winnie. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully. Probably. Definitely. Maybe. Okay. Bye. Bye. Two seasons and we still haven't figured out a, a proper way to end this thing. <laughs> we should really script something. Yeah, probably.